This is the FBCG Live podcast with Pastor John K. Jenkins, Sr. Today's message is titled, Raising Children God's Way. Children replicate what their parents do. Parents must teach their children about the power and presence of the Lord. Wherever you're joining us from, we pray this message encourages and empowers you in your daily walk with God. Now, I want to talk, uh, do something a little different than I normally do. I'm going to give you two passages that I'm going to be dealing with today from two different parts of the scripture. And uh, I want to uh, highlight and talk to you today about raising children God's way. That's what I want to talk about, raising children God's way. And I want to, I want to spend this time talking about that because I have a burden about how we raise our children. And I have that burden because I deal with adults. <laughs> and I've seen through the course of uh, this journey, adults who are narcissistic, selfish, insensitive. I can go on and on and on down the list. A lack of character. And the way they're like, the reason that uh, we have adults like that is because they didn't get raised right. Ooh, Lord, I, ooh, I felt tension in the room when I said that. They didn't, uh, they didn't have those issues addressed when they were kids. And I want to spend a few moments talking about that. And let me look at a couple of passages today. So just hang with me for a moment. I want to talk about a priest in the Old Testament named Eli. Eli was his name. Eli is a priest who had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas were their names. And they too had the assignment of their life of being priest. They were following in the footsteps of their father. That was, that was the, the trend, that was the going of what happened back in those Bible days, that, that, that the priesthood was passed on to sons. Eli had the responsibility of training his sons to carry out the duties of being priests. He was to train them to follow the duties of a priest. The, the priests were to intercede on behalf of the people, and they were to carry the offerings for their sins before God. That was their responsibility, their task, their role, their assignment of what they were supposed to do. But there was a problem, and in First Samuel chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, just turn there for a quick moment. 1 Samuel chapter 2, turn to the second chapter of uh, 1 Samuel, and I want to uh, make note of verse 12, of 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, and, and here's what it says. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this passage, but just uh, a few moments, and I want you to see what it says here about these sons. It says, now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. Here they are, priests in the house of God, and the scripture's description of them is that they were corrupt. The description that the Bible says about Eli's son is that they did not know the Lord. That's a troubling thing. Why does the Bible call them corrupt? They were corrupt because they were stealing the meat offerings. Back in those days, the offerings was often given by uh, lambs and animals and, and meat offerings that that uh, they would present before God. And in this second chapter as well, later on, verses 13 through 17, we're not going to read it, just make note of verses 13 through 17, they were stealing the offering. 
They were taking portions of the meat sacrifice that did not belong or was not for them. They were, in essence, still in the offering. And in, in verse 22 of the same chapter, chapter 2, it says that they were sleeping with the women in the church. Yeah. This is the practice of what these, these two sons of Eli did. And the scripture says that eventually Eli got wind of what his sons were doing. He heard about it. And in verses 23 through 25, <clears throat> excuse me, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 23 through 25, let me read that to you. It says this, here's what Eli says. So, so he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. The key I want you to hear is verse 25. It says this. Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father. Nevertheless, in spite of the fact of what their father said to them, they ignored him. What happened? How did Eli's sons become so disobedient, so rebellious? How could these young men be around the temple, in the temple, with the people of God, but live such a raggedy, loose, and undisciplined life? The Bible says they were corrupt. They were like this because they didn't know the Lord, verse 12. They didn't know God. They had no relationship with him. And they were able to be in that posture because in verse 29 it says this. I'm not going to read it, but let me just paraphrase it for you. Verse 29 says that Eli gave more reverence to his sons than he did to God. And I don't know if y'all know this or not. Amen. I had to say amen to myself today. I had to encourage myself. The problem is, so a lot of parents give more precedence, more privilege, more honor to their children than they do to God. They, they, they work their schedules around their children's schedule as opposed to what God says ought to be done. They honor their children more than God. And that's what God said to them, said to Eli in verse 29. He says, you honor your sons more than me, it says in verse 29. You give them more reverence than you do to me. You respect them more than you respect me. It is a challenge. It's a problem. And you know why Eli did that? Because he himself had no discipline in his own life. I've learned that children will replicate what they see their children, what they see their parents doing. Children will replicate in, in magnitude, in multiplication, what they see their parents doing. The children will do in excess. And I, 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 I'm, I'm troubled. I'm challenged. Uh, verse uh, 18 of chapter 4 of 1 Samuel talks about how Eli died. He, he fell back and broke his neck. And the scripture gives us an insightful thing about him breaking his neck and how he died. It says he, he had aged, but here's the problem. He was overweight. He had no discipline in his life. He had very little di di discipline. He didn't live what he teached or what he preached. He did not, he did not walk the walk of what he sought to communicate. He said one thing to his children, but he did something else when church was over. Y'all may not want to admit it, but we got a lot of leaders in church who say one thing, but when you get home, they do something different. And we want to know why our children are, 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 are just jacked up and messed up and, and, just, and are in the bad way that they are. Why do, they, why do adults grow up with no discipline, no, no 
honor, no respect, no, uh, no unwillingness to, 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 to yield to the things of God, it's because of how often they were raised. And I want to challenge you today. I have a little three-point thing I want to tell you. It all comes from Luke chapter 2, verse 40. I want you to turn there for a moment if you have your Bibles. Luke chapter 2, verse 40. Because here it talks about how Jesus was raised. And here he is, God wrapped up in the flesh. And I believe God allowed Jesus to be born in a manger and live through his teenage, young adult, young youthful years and gives us an insight of what he did. And it's a model for us of what we ought to do with our kids. I'm glad you're asking the question because it says right here uh, what he did. Verse 40 of Luke chapter 2 says, talking about Jesus, it says this, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon them. There's right there, boom, right there. Significant things, a model for us how Jesus grew. He grew. He, he developed. He, he was raised. Even though he was God wrapped up in flesh, it says he grew. And he grew in three areas. And that's what I want to talk about. Children have to grow. And matter of fact, I hate to say it, but some, some of you adults need to grow too. <laughs> you need to grow up. Grow up. Too many adults are acting like kids. And if, and if church don't go your way, you pick up your toys and go home. You quit. A lot of y'all have quit church because something didn't go the way you wanted. Somebody didn't honor you the way you wanted to be honored. Somebody didn't recognize you the way you wanted to be recognized. Somebody didn't give you an opportunity the way you wanted to be given an opportunity. So you picked up your toys and left. When you grow up and get mature, you learn to recognize life does not always go the way you want life to go. We got to learn that th this is behavior. This is behavior that is learned in childhood. I learned with my six kids early on that I, I had to recognize, I had to teach my kids that, that they had to learn how to share. Come on, there's a curse word today, share. My kids, I had to teach them that they can't just have it their way all the time. They have to learn how to share. You have to learn how to go, go do it the way and share that life doesn't center around your wishes, your wants, your desires all the time. I had to teach my kids that they had to learn how to work. They're, you have duties, chores. Hello, talk to a brother. So... Jesus grew, and here's the three areas he grew in. It says right here, number one, he grew in spirit, strong in spirit. I love that right there. I love that verse. He became strong in spirit. Here's what that means. That word spirit means God. It means the presence of God, the spirit of God. And here's a very important thing that we have to raise and teach and develop our children to be strong in spirit, to be raised and to recognize. Here's, what I'm, here's, what I'm, here's why I believe worship is important. I believe worship is important because it teaches children that there is a power greater than their wishes and their wants. They have to learn, children have to learn that there's a God that's more powerful than mama and daddy, more powerful than anything. And it is through the involvement of the kingdom of God that we teach our children about the presence and power of God. What parents need to do is teach their children about the Lord. 
This is, this is so important. We need to teach them about his presence, his power, teach, him, teach them spiritual truths, teach them how to respond to God, how to worship God. We need to teach our children how to recognize the spirit of God, how to recognize when God walks in the building, when God shows up. Teach them that he's in the house, in the camp. Teach them how to reverence him, how to love him, how to honor him, how to worship him. We have to teach our children. This is important. Teach them his truth and his word. Because, you know, when, when, I, when we talk about the spirit of God and being strong in that spirit, that's, that's my burden. That's my, that's my, uh, uh, my heart. It's, I love kids. Our church devotes a huge amount of resources to children. We got a youth pastor and a children's pastor and we got classrooms and we've got so much that we devote so we can raise up children who can be mighty warriors for the kingdom of God. That's why I'm proud of these young people here today because did y'all see them singing? You know what? They sounded so good. They sounded so good that I pulled our music assistant director, Anthony Brown, over and said, is that really them singing or is that um, the, the, the praise and worship team singing and they're just mouthing to the, to the, to the words? And he said, oh, no, no, that's them. They sang. They, they, they are singing. Y'all sang. And y'all can sing. And I'm happy, but I hope that while you're singing, you're also learning to recognize the heart of God and the voice of God, and you're worshiping God from the depths of your heart. Never be ashamed of worshiping the true and living God. I heard you say you are unashamed, unashamed, unashamed. Stay unashamed. Don't let it be said, parents, that your children can get straight A's in school, but they can't pray. They don't know how to pray. You see, we have a, we have a challenge in our, in our world today that we have, we have, we, we, we put so much focus on education, but if you are exposing your children to education without character or without God, you're going to produce a monster. And that might be the problem with our country today. Because there's so many uh, children who have now grown up to be adults who have no respect for the fact that when you die, you have to stand before a holy God and give an answer for your choices and your decisions and your actions. And that's why so many people are doing horrendous, horrific, unbelievable things because they don't recognize there is a God, there is a heaven, there is a hell. And one day you'll have to stand before God and give an account for everything that you have done, everything you've said, everything you thought. You will have to give an account to God. And I am persuaded that we have the responsibility of developing our children to be strong in the presence of God, strong in spirit, acknowledging and recognizing the spirit of God. I am firmly convinced and believe that that's the missing, one of the missing elements in our culture today, that we've left our children out from a walk of God. And so I'm proud of our young people who are in the house of God today. Not only did Jesus grow and, and become strong in spirit, but the passage also says he was filled with wisdom. There's number two. He was filled with wisdom. What does that mean, Pastor? I'm glad you asked the question. I've been preaching and teaching for years now, and I've been even talked about it recently. Tuesday night Bible study, Monday night I met with the young adults, and I tried to tell them what it means to have wisdom. 
A definition of wisdom means this, to look at life from God's vantage point. The mistake that too many people make is they look at life from down low. They look at life from right in front of them rather than taking the 30,000 foot leap up and look down and look at life from its totality and not just from what you're going through at the moment. See, if you make decisions based on what's happening right now, just based on what you see in front of you, and don't take the full scope of the picture of what God might be trying to do in your life, you might miss the point of what God's trying to accomplish. I, all of us got to learn, I had to learn in the course of my life that what God brings in my life is, is ha what's happening right now is, is to benefit me for years down the road. What, what God brings in my life today is to prepare me for my future, to prepare me for what God has in store for me. When I was pastoring in King George, Virginia, down in the rural country of King George, halfway between Washington, D.C. and Richmond, Virginia, and traveling 55 miles one way, when I had to deal with people who, were, if I said go right, they said go left. If I said we're going up, they said we're going down. I had to learn how to deal with people who didn't always agree with me. And I learned how to deal with that in the country sticks of a few people in King George so that I would be prepared to handle you jokers up here at the First Baptist Church of Glenarden. God had to teach me, and, and I learned as I look back at it now that God was using it as training ground. Whatever you're going through right now, God's using it to prepare you. That's what wisdom is. That's what I, I want our young people to be filled with wisdom. That means don't look at life, young people, the way your friends look at life. Don't look at life the way the world looks at life. The world says go up and you'll be and be first. Get, get and you'll have everything. That's what the world says. God says be humble, give, be last, die to yourself. Think the opposite of what the world thinks. That's what wisdom means. Looking at life from God's vantage point. Children get wisdom by us exposing them to God's truth and talking through what you've learned. I, I, I think it's important for you to tell your story, tell, uh, parents. Tell your children your testimony of what God brought you through. Tell your children the mistakes that you've made. Tell your children the good choices that you've made. Talk to them. Teach them. Don't leave it to your children to try to discover it on their own, but teach them what you have learned. Lean over to your neighbor and say, he preaching better than you're saying amen. That's what wisdom means. It means you, know, you know what the big problem is? I'm almost finished. I'm coming to a close. I'm bringing this to a conclusion. I'm pulling my boat into the dock. I'm bringing my plane in for a landing. I'm pulling my car into the garage. I'm almost finished. Too many parents have left their children on their own to grow up on their own. Too many parents are not involved in their children's homework, not involved in their children's lives, don't get involved in anything and it's problematic you have a responsibility to teach them the wisdom of God Amen. let me close here's the third thing I'm almost finished here here's the third and final thing not only did Jesus grow strong in spirit not only was he filled with wisdom but it says the grace of God was upon him God smeared him with grace he was graced with grace. He was graced with the grace of God. What is grace? Grace 
It's God's influence in your life. It is God empowering you to do what you're supposed to do and to be what you're supposed to be. It's God giving you the gifting, the anointing, the ability, and the desire to be what you're supposed to be and do what you are supposed to do. That's what grace is. Jesus was graced with grace. God, the Bible says that Jesus uh, uh, was, he had the grace of God upon him. And I want young people to know that God wants to give you his grace. I like the song that they just sang a few moments ago. Uh, I think the words said, I can be what I want to be or something like that. I can, if I work at, what's the words? What, what? I know I can. Yeah, go ahead. Tell me what are they again? I know I can be what I want to be. Yeah, you can be what you want to be. You can do what you want to do. God smears. And here's, here's the deal. Here's what I learned, parents. Hear, hear me out on this. I recognize in the course of my life and in the life of my children, whatever it is, in the life of kids, period, that whatever God's purposes of that person's life is, whatever God has prepared and made them for, there will be a trail in their life of opportunities and situations that are designed to prepare them for what the ultimate assignment for their life is. Our problem is sometimes we parents are trying to force our kids to do what it is we wanted to do and we didn't get to do, but your child might not be graced to do what you wanted to do. Stop trying to make your kids live out what you failed to do. Go ahead and preach Pastor Jenkins. Stop trying to make them live out your failures and try to discern what are the opportunities that God's opening up for them. What are the passions on their heart? What are the desires on their heart? And the opportunities that God has given them in their life. That's so important. I can't help but tell you that's what it means to be graced with grace. God smears grace on them and it's our job as parents to help them have that grace smeared in their life and look for those opportunities. Help them recognize here's the door that God has opened for you. Here's the opportunity that he's made a way. Here's what he wants you to do. Here's what the passion is for you. It's our job to help them recognize that. And so I would say to young people, I want to say to the young adults and to the young people, be sensitive to the doors that God opens for you. Recognize he's gracing you with grace. How do you get that grace? Humility. God loves humility. God loves humility. Humble yourself. Stop being a know-it-all. Stop, stop ignoring your parents. Respect and honor. Humble yourself. Look for opportunities to be humble. James 4 says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The NIV says, I, li I like this translation, and the NIV of that verse says, God opposes the plans of the proud and gives grace to the humble. He comes against those who are arrogant and proud and think they're all that. But when you humble yourself and say, I'm nothing without God. I'm a failure without Christ. I can't go anywhere without the presence of God in my life. When that's the attitude that you have, God smears you with his grace. I don't know where you are, but I need God's grace. I want God's grace. I need the grace of God. And so do you. You need his grace. Hallelujah. Somebody here today watching this broadcast, somebody 
needs the grace of God. You need the grace of God. You need his presence and power in your life. You need the call of God. You need the power of God, the presence of God, the anointing of God. You need that in your life. And my assignment is to tell you today, you can have it. You can have that grace. You can have that power. You can have that might. You can have the presence of God smeared all in your life. All you got to do is reach out to him. Jesus Christ came so you could have life. So you can have a relationship with the Father. So you can have the peace of God, the joy of God, the forgiveness of God. That's the greatest thing. He offers you his forgiveness. Jesus died on the cross so that you could be forgiven. You've been listening to FBCG Live with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. We have to raise our children up to be mighty warriors of God. If you've been blessed by this message and would like to help us reach more people through this ministry, please click the link in the podcast description or visit our website, fbcglenarden.org slash give to donate. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll subscribe so that you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to tune in next week.